one of them said to me, people from my area don't get this. They don't get these opportunities. And that for me is what it's about. It's about social mobility. It's about giving these young women everything they need to succeed. Hi and welcome to Beauty from the Heart. This is a place where I, Rose Gallagher, am going to share conversations with some of the best people I've met through years of working in the beauty industry. This first series is dedicated to people that I think are inspiring positive change and using their voices for the power of good. Today I've got Emily and Billy with me, they're from Longcom and the National Literacy Trust and they're going to be talking to me about a partnership that they do to mentor and support young women with literacy needs to just build confidence, build a really strong skill set and get them ready for the working world essentially. This partnership came to fruition and I learned about it about this time last year and I've just stayed really close to it because to be honest with you I was blown away by some of the things I learned about people with literacy needs in the UK. I had no idea it was such a commonly occurring thing. One in seven women in the UK actually have literacy needs and in certain areas that can go up to one in three. There is research to suggest that this is something that more commonly affects women. So it's a really powerful thing that Longcom have identified that and partnered with the National Literacy Trust to make sure that they're targeting groups of women that need this extra support. The mentorship programme is lovely. I have volunteered with them and I've seen it firsthand. They essentially go into school and identify groups of girls that just need a little bit of an extra boost whether it's confidence literacy skills and they help them to build those before they leave but I'm going to pass over to the ladies to tell you about it themselves you're going to learn some unbelievable facts and figures in this one and one of the things I'd really urge you to consider in this episode is if there's someone around you that maybe you're kind of putting two together and you realize that they perhaps are affected by something that we're discussing one of the things that Billy emphasized was it's never too late to get some support so have a look at the show notes have a look at the resources and I'm sure there's something amazing that you could find to just make a bit of a positive difference so here we go it's Billy and Emily okay so Emily thank you so much for joining us this morning I've been so looking forward to speaking to you because as you know Longcomb is just one of my all-time favorite brands um what do you do at Longcomb well, first of all, thank you very much. Uh, it's a pleasure to be here. And um, we were just discussing this is my first uh, radio podcast interview. Oh, so, fantastic. Uh, um, what do I do at Lancome? Well, my official title is Director of Communications and Digital Engagement. I think that's a bit of a mouthful. But essentially what it means is I'm a storyteller mm-hmm. and I encourage conversations. Um, and that can happen on different platforms, for example, on our social channels. Um, We tell stories about our products, we tell stories about our brand, and what we're aiming for, particularly now, is to make sure that we, we dialogue with our customers. And that can be as much as with our own channels, but also with the people that we uh, choose to work with, the advocates that speak, uh, that we find resonate well with our brand and encouraging them to converse, to talk about Lancome. And you do have so many lovely, people associated with the brand I mean the faces of the brand there's so many iconic campaigns like I'm thinking of Julia Roberts at the moment but in terms of the brand ethos what do you try and celebrate and capture within Lancome? 
Well, at Lancome, we'd like to say that happiness is the most attractive form of beauty. Mm-hmm. That means a lot and can be interpreted differently by a lot of people. But I think happiness for a lot of women is the ability to express yourself freely, to be who you want to be, um, and this sense of empowerment and confidence. And in the end, that's what makeup's about. It's about being able to put your best self forward and be whoever you want to be at any particular moment. And I think that's so clear from everything that you do as a brand because one of the things I love and think you do really well is that you have this really inclusive approach to beauty you know whether it's your models or spokespeople you've got a mixture of ethnicities ages all in the mix there what impact do you think that that has on the women that love the brand and just for women absorbing those inclusive messages first of all thank you very much because it's something that we were constantly striving um, to do and improve Um, and even here, if you look at our headquarters, uh, we're all from very different backgrounds. We're different ages. We have different abilities and disabilities. And I hope that somewhere, you know, in our office, we say it's for every woman. And I hope that's the same with our customers. We believe that Lancome is for every woman. I think we're a very democratic brand. Um, and it's something that we will continue to try and improve and to reach out to more and more women across the UK and Ireland. That's such a great point that you're so aware of all of these different abilities and needs of women when you're trying to encourage this, you know, woman-centric conversation. Um, And one of the reasons I wanted to talk to you today is that alongside maintaining what is a globally successful brand, the team give time and money to a literacy initiative with the National Literacy Trust, which I know we're going to delve into in lots of detail. Before we kind of discuss that, partnership. What are we talking about when we discuss literacy and illiteracy? Um, And why was this a cause that you thought was right for the brand to pursue a further partnership with? So one of the things that I have learned, uh, thanks to Billy at the National Literacy Trust, is that we don't actually use the word illiteracy. Uh, We tend to focus on literacy. Um, There's something about illiteracy that's very final, very negative, whereas literacy is actually a very positive word. It's something that we can all improve on. So funny that you should say that because another brand that I've spoken to while we've been doing the podcast is Beco and they have a workforce of people with really mixed abilities and they said that they don't use the phrase learning difficulties they like to use the phrase learning differences and a number of people have said to me since I've never thought to phrase it like that but I'm going to so um, it's always nice to learn kind of different ways of looking at all of these things that we all experience Um, So how did the partnership between Lancome and the National Literacy Trust come to fruition? So our global initiative is called Write Her Future. Yes. And Write Her Future aims to improve literacy skills uh, with women across the globe. We represent Lancome here in the UK and Ireland. We were tasked by our, our headquarter team to have a partnership locally. And I think, you know, for motivating people to really get behind this, you need to have a local initiative. Mm -hmm. Um, And so we worked with our corporate social responsibility team uh, 
and that's a team that is basically working with all sorts of associations to identify which association association they felt was really delivering and making a difference when it came to literacy in, in the UK. And then Billy came into our offices and it was love at first sight, really. <laughs> and I think that's the perfect introduction, actually, to lead us into the other lady in the room, Billy. Um, Billy, thank you so much for coming. You're joining us from the National Literacy Trust. Can you explain what the charity does from the very beginning for someone that has never heard of you? Sure, of course I can. Um, so we are a national charity. We were set up over 25 years ago to raise literacy levels across the UK. And we do that in three ways. So the first thing that we do is work directly with young people. We work in schools, we work in nurseries um, to help teachers and practitioners and young people themselves to improve their skills. So we focus on reading, writing, speaking and listening. We also um, work in communities. So we have the National Literacy Trust hubs where we work in areas of the country that have the highest literacy vulnerability. Um, so where we think that young people aren't getting on well with their reading and writing skills. And we work really heavily in those areas for 10 years so that we know that we're making a sustained impact and we can help those young people achieve whatever they want to. And then the last thing that we do is a lot of research, a lot of campaigning. So we run the all party parliamentary group um, sort of in the government to try and make sure that literacy is on top of the agenda um, and I think this is one of the interesting conversation that comes out of some of the work that we've done and a lot of my friends are like literacy an issue in the UK and they don't really see it and I think of it as this sort of global international issue and it is but actually it's affecting our neighbours next doors you know it's affecting our communities right here. That's um, one of the things that um, I was so blown away about mm. when we first met as you said there you're always doing the research within the yeah. charity and some of the stats and figures just blew me away about how close to home it is do you have any kind of key points that you know that is just gonna illustrate how apparent this is in the UK yeah definitely so 750 million illiterate adults are in the world two-thirds of those are women so we know Why? it is an issue that does affect women more intensely. Uh -huh. um, but if we look right here in the UK, one in seven women in England lack the basic literacy skills that they need. And the reason why that's so important is because low literacy levels holds a person back at every stage in their life. As a child, you can't succeed at school. As an adult, you're locked out of the job market. Um, if you go on to have children yourself, um, you're then unable to support their literacy development as well. So it's this intergenerational cycle of poverty um, that literacy is such a key component of that we're really trying to eliminate and it affects things from you know being able to navigate a uh, train station looking at the train times and where your trains are going to you know reading a prescription from your doctor you know we know that it affects your mental health low literacy we know yeah. that it affects um, your health in areas of the country with the lowest literacy levels they've got sort of the um, lowest life expectancy um, so that's some of the research that we're doing in the trust. We're just trying to illustrate that it is such a huge problem. And then how does the partnership work um, in terms of working alongside Lancome? And what support do you offer these young women when you get together as a power duo? <laughs> the partnership is fabulous, even if I say so myself. I'm very lucky that I get to work with lots of different businesses that care about young people, but I absolutely love 
our partnership with Lancome. Um, and what we do is we've set up together a program called Words for Work, Women in Leadership. So we are trying to give young people really authentic opportunities to practice and improve their literacy skills. Um, so what you're learning in your English class is important and you will use it every day at work, whether that is delivering a presentation, writing emails, writing a, a report, whatever you might be doing, talking to customers. Mm. Um, that's all your literacy skills. And we're trying to make it fun um, and show the, the impact that if you improve your skills, what that can have um, on your career. Um, so they sort of come into the office. We run teacher-led workshops back at school um, and we put on amazing panel events where we have women in different industries giving advice to, to young women all across the country. And I know that you're working with a number of cities at the moment, uh, a little bit like what you said with the Trust as a whole, to really deliver that specialised and sustainable care to a few key communities. But the partnership with Longcom as well, it must just be brilliant for a kind of awareness perspective and to just help to spread the message to different groups of people that might not know about everything that you do. What would even more funding help you to achieve? And, you know, what are the long-term goals for the charity that you'd hope to reach in the next few years or however long um i mean more funding just means we get to change more lives yeah you know it's just kind of as basic as that really we get to put more books in schools we get to get more you know incredible partnerships and women involved in the initiative um so we can really inspire and inform young people's decisions about what they want to do when they leave school at the trust we're really focusing on those communities as you said so having a place-based solution um, to the issue so actually finding out what the issues are in local communities and developing programs on the ground that answer those issues and, and find those solutions what did you tell me that you want to do with the world I haven't remembered to ask you this, but I was just thinking oh, no, it's I so think this perfect. this list is probably really long. No, yeah, go on. It was about how you want to um, leave. So my career aspirations yes, are not about money or anything like that. It's just to leave the world a little bit of a better place than when I joined it. Do you know something like, you know, when you remember a set phrase or quote or part of a day, that was the big takeaway I got from when I came with you both Um to help with some of the mentoring that you were doing with some of the girls in the program so to kind of come back to you for a moment Emily um I know that as part of the mentorship that you do with the young women in the program one of the experiences that they got to do was come to the head office and have a whole immersive experience day here um, what kinds of things were on the agenda that day it was a phenomenal day. It was great for the students, but it was extremely positive for everyone on the Lancome team, and I'll get to that in a minute. Basically, we wanted to show the students all sorts of communications, um, from writing emails, as Billy said, to people conversing in the, in the corridors, to uh, someone on the phone, so that the students could see how important all sorts of literacy skills were to daily work life. And then we, we also focused on things that might seem very simple to, to, to everyone, but for a lot of these young women, when confidence is such an issue, mm. it is such a big deal. And that's things like shaking a hand for the first time, looking someone in the eye. That was probably, for some of the students, the most difficult moment, shaking a hand, looking me in the eye, introducing yourself. That, yeah. that, that was particularly difficult for a lot of these young girls. But going back to what I said earlier about how it impacted the students, and, and I'm so glad for the feedback that Billy has provided, um, and, and some of the quotes from the students have been, have been phenomenal. But the quotes from the employees, like all the, all the Lancome volunteers uh, from finance teams and HR, sales, marketing, not just uh, the communications team, have all been 
that they wish they could have more days like this uh, at work. You know, we tend to all uh, have a bit of our blinders on. Um, We go into work, we have hundreds of emails, and then we go out through the throes of the day. And when you have something that's, that's excuse the American expression, but a curveball that that throws you off guard and realizes that actually you can help and you can make a difference, um, it really adds another dimension to your work life. And all I've heard since the first interactions with the students, both here and also when we went into the schools, is how, where can I, can I sign up for more? How can I get involved? It's so funny, isn't it, how um, everyone gets the benefit of something like this, because there's so many things I think you learn about yourself when you're teaching or guiding someone else. So it ends up being such a two-way equation. But Emily, for you, one of the things that I love about you is despite having, you know, such a high profile role within such a big brand, um, I know that you personally have dyslexia and so many things that you've mentioned there, these things that you're going to be doing on a daily basis in a role like yours, there must just be an endless list of tasks. How does this impact your day-to-day working life? Um, this is almost a conversation in itself, but, um, you know, I, I'm now been working for a very long time. Um, and I think this question, would, I would have answered this question very differently. Had we had this interview 15 years ago? Right. Um, and maybe this is where the program with the NLT has resonated with me very quite personally, mm-hmm. um, because it brings me back to my own path towards literacy and the struggles that I had when I, when I was much younger, um, seeing dyslexia as much, much more as a disability and seeing less the advantages that it could bring. Um, today as a professional, and especially in the past, I've been asked to discuss with younger professionals who have dyslexia how to use it to their advantage. And of course, you, you have all the uh, very creative sides, able to see big pictures, strategic. I really bring that to the forefront. But there definitely was a confidence issue. And maybe that's what makes me so sensitive as well to a lot of these young girls when they come into a classroom and there's this confidence piece. And I, I'm not comparing at all um, my experience w- with theirs um, whatsoever, but just I do think there's a general kind of understanding about what it is to build your confidence, especially in a workplace where you're surrounded by um, things that are considered as hurdles. Yeah. Um, you know, everyone thinks that dyslexics aren't good with words. In fact, dyslexics are good with words. We just have a very different process. We're born storytellers. Yeah. Um, however, I'll see a story very differently than someone else. I'll see the story visually and then I'll describe it rather than being able to describe it first with words. Um, Today, I I feel like it's a strength, um, but it's taken hard work. One of the things you said there Mm -hmm. um, that really struck me is that you said if you answered the question now versus 15 years ago, that you'd have two different answers. What would the answer have been 15 years ago versus now in terms of how your dyslexia impacts your ability to do your job day to day? I think I would have seen it much more as a hindrance yeah. and not an advantage. And today there's much more research that shows that more and more corporations, I think Ernst & Young came out with a report in 2018 that says the value of dyslexia and why corporations should be employing more dyslexic people to think differently, to problem solve. Um, 15 years ago, I would not have seen it that way. I don't even speak about it really. This is the first time actually I'm speaking about it publicly. Oh, um, thank you. Thank you for uh, and I actually, I spoke with Billy about it before doing this interview. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I hesitated um, because even public speaking is difficult for dyslexia for dyslexic. 
works, I can hear myself stumbling over words um, because I have a different way of looking at things. And, you know, five minutes before we started, Billy and I were having coffee and I said, okay, if I stumble, you know, just come in and save me, right? <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I think maybe 15 years ago, I would have A, refused to do the interview. Yeah. Um, and uh, I probably would have been more focused on the challenges I would have in the workplace rather than the advantages I bring as someone who's dyslexic. Well, I'm so grateful that you chose to share because I think there's something really powerful about listening to somebody that's going through the same personal journey as you and someone along the way will find this and they will be experiencing their own journey with dyslexia and wondering how that's going to impact them um what advice would you give if there was someone listening that just needed to deal with this themselves um i think if that person's listening i'm sure they've already done the research they know they're creative i'm sure they know that they're strategic i think they can see the big picture mm -hmm. um it really comes down to making sure that you're confident surround yourself by people that care for you um, billy was saying earlier have your cheerleaders and that's such a good point about having those cheerleaders because i think that's what i've observed you two to be and the team the wider team at Lancome that are all involved with this partnership it really is like being a cheerleader for these young women that you're mentoring I'm going to come back to you both again because I'd love to kind of pick your brains of some of your personal experiences of the program Billy do you have a success story that comes to mind about a beneficiary who has maybe managed to make positive changes in their life after visiting you um, I think so many. We've just done the evaluation of the programme. So we look at all of the young women who have been through the programme and we ask them their views on it. We ask them to rate their confidence from before and after so that we can show that we are having you know, a really incredible impact. Mm -hmm. And 96% of the young women that have been through the program feel more ready for employment. That's so brilliant. for me, like that in itself is incredible. Um, but one of my lovely colleagues who we deliver the program with as well was on a bus near one of the schools that we've been working with. And one of the young women that has been in the program got onto the bus and anyone listening who's in the uh, education sector will be like, that's the worst thing ever. Seeing a student out in public is like, oh no, what am I going to do? Um, but she came and actually sat, <laughs> sat next to her. Um, and said, Miss, I just want to tell you that program changed my life. Um, wow. Which was incredible to hear. But we've also got two interns that have joined the Lancome team, one in HR and one in Emily's team. And I have done lots of work with them. I've put on sort of like specific little workshops from them to, to help them improve their literacy skills. And one of them said to me, people from my area don't get this. They don't get these opportunities. And that for me is what it's about. It's about social mobility. It's about giving these young women everything they need to succeed. Um, a lot of the young people that I work with are third generation unemployed. So don't necessarily have positive working role models at home. Um, and if we can provide that and we can show them what they can be and what they can do and then that's when the success really comes to life for me. It's very true that one of um, the other episodes we had was with Sally Hughes and she was talking about role models and she said you can't be what you can't see. And so she true. just kind of yeah. highlighted the importance of having someone there that you can see the 
potential that you can have for yourself um having that experience in an environment where maybe you are an intern and you're being able to learn from people in lots of different disciplines before it's kind of the real deal the nine to five is so so important because back to your point Emily it just really builds a person's confidence what impact do you think these lower literacy levels do have on a person's confidence I think it's huge yeah Um, And that's from what I see in the classroom and what I see in the workplace is that young women don't necessarily, who are struggling with low literacy and low confidence, aren't putting their ideas forward. Okay. And actually that's huge. That is huge to sit in a room of people and feel like you're inferior. And I think as a woman, that's probably something that we feel quite regularly anyway. Yeah. Um, But it's another layer on top of that. You know, 88% of businesses think that young people aren't ready for the workplace, which is huge, you know, which is absolutely huge. And they're not. And it is about these experiences, making them feel confident, surrounding them by positive people so that you can walk into a Lancome internship and feel like you're going to own yeah. it and feel okay about making mistakes. And it's true. There's so many things like this that you don't learn at school. Like you're not taught about how to compose yourself to shake someone's hand or make eye contact. Or, I mean, I always say to my friends, we're not taught basic things like how to do your taxes if you work for yourself or (laughs) like it drives me mad actually that you don't learn these basic life things at school and so experiences like this are just so important to instill those um but having worked together for quite a while now what has been a standout moment during your work together oh so many i mean we had a a launch with kate winslet oh was that that I nearly weed myself over, basically. It was pretty incredible. Do you know what? She articulated herself. I'm turning around to look at Harriet as well, who's also here with us. That was one of the best launches of anything I've ever been to because she illustrated what you're doing here so well. She basically told this story, if you remember. When she played a lady that couldn't read in the reader, she had gone and spent time at a centre with people that couldn't read and she met this really charismatic, sassy lady who just managed to blag her way out of so many situations. Any restaurant she went to, she couldn't read the menu and she'd just say, oh, I'll have the chicken because everywhere sells chicken. Um, She also had a cast that she used to wrap her arm up in because she was really articulate but she couldn't write a job application and she used to go to the lady next door and say oh would you believe it I've got to fill out this job application but I've broken my arm you wouldn't just fill it out for me you couldn't even catch your breath I'm so sorry to jump in but But I just really remember that day it was brilliant when you know it's an issue you will see it in every day so you'll go and get a taxi and the taxi driver won't fill the receipt out for you and it's not because he doesn't want to or he wants you to cheekily expense a little bit more it's because he can't and there's certain things that as you then realise it's an issue and you pick it up in every day and it's something that I'm incredibly conscious about. Mm. Um, if you are seeing anyone struggle or don't, we need to destigmatise it as well. Yeah. It's such a huge thing of saying, yeah, do you know what? My region's not great and I need to improve it and feeling like you could support it in a workplace to do that. Um, I think it's such a key part of what we're trying to do. Like speak about it, be honest, because the help's there for you. And it's amazing to think that one in seven people are experiencing this in the UK, but it's not being spoken about. Yes, that's one in seven women as one well. In seven so women. sorry, yeah. In some deprived, like more disadvantaged areas in the country, it's one in three adults. Wow. Yeah. So it's gonna be a fab partnership. We're gonna make a change to that. Yeah. Um, a question to both of you. 
Do any brands or people just really stand out at the moment as pioneering these positive changes? I mean, for me, I mean, from the trust as a whole, we wouldn't be able to do the work that we do without the incredible businesses that support us. So I think that's a really important part to this. I know that, you know, there can be a more sceptical side, maybe, of um, businesses that are and companies that are supporting charities. But it's actually really funny about how this program came about. So I was in the classroom every day and was meeting incredible young women that, as we've said, just didn't have the confidence or didn't have the literacy skills that they needed to really succeed. So I went away and I wrote a program. So I wrote this program and I was trying to get it funded. And anyone who works in the sector that I do knows that that is a real struggle. It's not an easy thing to do to, you know, everyone who works in the charity sector is just a fundraiser. No matter what you do, that's what it's about. So you can get the money in to do the work and reach your beneficiaries. So I've written this program and I loved it. And I'm, I hope it's come across today that I'm so passionate about it. So I'm trying to get it funded. And then there's a little phone call who, you know, wanted to do something with us. And I was like, I've got it. I've got the program for you. This is going to be amazing. Um, so I think the way that we've sort of been brought together has been really organic and, and really authentic and we've been able to create something pretty special from that. There is one program that I think is, is very encouraging for women and resonates well with what we're doing. Is a, pro- a program called Smart Works. Do you know that? They are actually going to be another episode. Oh, well, there you go. Would you believe it? So They're going to be next week's episode. That's so funny. That's so, so basically, funny. Smart Works is an association that, that works with leaders in the fashion industry uh, who supply basically clothing for interviews so that women from disfavored communities can look smart and therefore feel confident uh, when they go into their interviews for for jobs. And I I think um, Burberry is one of the brands that was, um, is behind it in the same way that makeup will give you that extra little boost of confidence. um, What you wear as well does. So this is, this is, I think it sounds like a great opportunity. Um, we went and spent time there a few weeks ago and we're really fortunate to be present for addressing as well as um, getting a bit of an indication of the kind of uh, emotional support that they give the beneficiaries. But one of the things that was amazing about SmartWorks, back to you know something that you've both touched on a lot, is confidence. Um, sometimes it's just someone that maybe took some time out to have a baby or do whatever they needed to do for a while. And it's the confidence element that's lacking for that job interview. And it, you know, whether it's someone that's looking to find their first job or someone that has just not been working for a little while, the confidence piece is huge. And I think you're so right that anything to build a person's ability to how they see themselves is going to be the most helpful thing that you can do for them. As individuals, what can we do to make sure that we're supporting the people and women around us as best we can? Um, I think it goes back to that cheerleader thing that we were talking about. A lot of the young women that I work with might not have that network, which I've been incredibly privileged to have. You know, two very supportive sisters that have helped me navigate my way through a working world which is just at times you know very very challenging so I think be kind be supportive of each other um and be cheerleaders be on that sideline surround yourself with people that love you for who you are and are going to support what you want to do but will step in when you make a questionable choice Uh, (laughs) and I think I'm very very lucky myself that I have that I have an incredible group of friends that support what I do and that is so key I think for young people succeeding so if you can be that to somebody else like be the person you needed when you were young 
you know, if I think about if I could have had someone, who would you want that to be? Um, and that's what we need to try and be for the people. I thought about this question. I have two young children. The two most important things for us as parents in order to best prepare our children for their futures, it come, boils down to two things. One is, is resilience. We all have our setbacks mm-hmm. and some have more disadvantages than, than others, but it's really how you respond to them, um, which is key. The other is empathy. And for me, like kindness is at the core of everything I do. It's the thing that I bring with me professionally, personally. And if you don't teach your children about empathy, I think it goes overlooked. And I think it has unfortunately uh, not been a focus um, in the last decade or two with the education of children. And I think there is a comeback, thankfully. Uh, This is clearly not something that I have thought of myself. And I think a lot of uh, conversations in schools are about empathy and the importance of teaching your children uh, kindness. But again, it's practice what you preach. So you have to make sure that you're doing that at home all the time. What can we expect moving forward for the next stages of the literacy trust? Um, so obviously we're going to Ireland. So that's going to be, when is that by the way? Um, so it will be next academic year. So schools are pretty much back from today. So, um, we'll be in contact and setting all of those sessions up. Oh my gosh. That's so exciting. We've got the campaign. We'll be growing the internship program. So lots of exciting things. We've got some incredible research coming out around, um, our aspirations, how young people define them, um, how our literacy skills actually impact what our aspirations are in the first place and whether gender affects that too so as a young woman what do your aspirations look like um if you do have low literacy skills so that's really exciting for us um, and something that personally i'm really really interested in, in terms of aspirations the values that we put on them why is one job better than another and yeah and things like that so we're going to really delve into that and understand where young people are coming from from that perspective so lots of exciting stuff and hopefully a long and lovely partnership And if you know of someone that is struggling or could do with some extra support, what is the best way to kind of guide them in your way? What kind of resources do you have to support those people? Sure. So uh, the majority of our work is in is sort of school or college based. Mm-hmm. Um, but my advice to anyone who um, is struggling is just maybe to contact your local college. Yeah. Um, there are lots of courses that you can get involved in. So one of them is a functional skills qualification, which will give you the English, maths and IT skills that you need. Um, depending on how old you are, that can be fully funded and things like that. Um, so there is resources there. There is not enough. Mm-hmm. Um, that is one thing that I would say it's dependent on the the area that you're in as well um you know we do want to support as much as possible so if anyone is listening to this and thinks actually what you've spoken about today really impacts me then we'd love to hear from you too and hear what your lived experience is and you know how best we could support you amazing well thank you so much for both joining me it's such a lovely partnership I think one of the things you kind of mentioned earlier on is that people can be a bit cynical when brands are working with a charity. And, you know, I did lots of research into different brands doing charitable things when I was coming up with ideas for this. And I think what really stands out as a really different mark is that you invest so much time in people. It's not just putting a name on something and giving a bit of money. I know that every time I see the ladies in the office here, they're giving me an update on something that's going on. So um, I think it's a really lovely project that you are doing together and I'm delighted you talked to us about it today. Thank you so much for having us. Thank you. 
hope you learned something new today. I definitely think that of all of the episodes, this was the one that opened my eyes to just something that I had really taken for granted. And it's made me more mindful to just as Billy said, just double check and make sure that person's okay and see where you can help someone wherever you can. Um, How lovely that Emily mentioned SmartWorks. It's so great because they're actually going to be on the podcast next week. I've got Charlie from SmartWorks and Amy Conway from Bobby Brown discussing the partnership that they do. It's really lovely. Again, it's a real mixture of giving time to people that need it because I think that's the most important thing you can give someone really isn't it but yes please come back next week if you liked this episode i'd really love to hear from you in the show notes i'm going to put loads of resources so if you are affected by anything we've discussed or you know someone that is as billy said it's never too late find that resource and you know reach out and find that support i'll speak to you next time